To win in today's NFL, you need to be able to pass the ball as well as stop the pass. Now, how do you do that? Cornerbacks. Who are the top five cornerbacks? Who's the king of the cornerback mountainous prospects? We're going to get into all that next on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Draft, your daily podcast covering the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Locked On family? Let's get locked in. Welcome back to the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, your daily podcast covering your favorite draft prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your boy, Damian Parson, always on the ones and twos. You can find me on Twitter and follow me there at DP underscore NFL. I'm a national scout over with the Draft Network, as well as your favorite and local running back guru. And as always, the champ is here, Mr. LSU himself, my guy, Keith Sanchez. You can find and follow him on Twitter at the Talent Code. Keith, talk to him, baby. What's up, Locked On family? This is Keith Sanchez, senior draft analyst with the Draft Network, man, in 2019, national champ with those LSU Tigers, man. But you know why we're here? Myself, Damian Parsons, we're here to bring you that championship-level content surrounding the NFL Draft 24-7, 365. The draft don't stop, man. We're keeping this thing going. Like I said, man, we into the days of June, right? And what we decided to do was we dropped the series, right, of what we're going over the past 10 years. We're going through these positions. And we're talking about some of the hits, some of the misses, but mostly just our rankings, right? Who we had ranked in that top five, top ten range, and we went through our position, and we fell upon those defensive backs now. We on those corners. And if you listen to the podcast, you know that myself, Damian Parsons, we love talking little cornerback play. We like talking about the defensive backs. So this one was fun, man. This DP, this one was fun for multiple reasons, right? There was a lot of big-time names, right? And we, we kind of got to go through it. So uh, DP in our pre-show meeting, he said, man, I, I think the listeners – are going to be a little mad with my list, but I got to do what I got to do. That's what he says. I have to stand <laughs> on it. So, DP, why don't you go ahead and kick this thing off, man, and list out your cornerbacks one through five, the highest rated guys over the past 10 years from your perspective. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. For sure, for sure. But first off, I want to tell you guys, appreciate y'all for, and thank y'all for making Locked On NFL Draft your first listen today and every single day, not just being our family, but being our every single day or our every day is, man. We appreciate y'all and love y'all for it. Now let's get into the nitty gritty. Uh, top five cornerbacks of the last 10 years. And number one, I have the man himself, Jalen Ramsey. At number two, I have Patrick Sertan, the second, PS2. Number three, Derek Stingley Jr. Number four, Marshawn Lattimore. And at number five, I have Sauce Gardner. Wow. Okay. I, um, <laughs> and you know, the crazy part is that I'm, people, hey, if they mad with you, they mad with me because my <laughs> list looks awfully similar. I'm okay. Somebody, like, like really similar. Um, Jalen Ramsey at one, Derek Stingley at two, Patrick Sertan at three, Marlon Humphrey at four, and Marshawn Lattimore at five. That's 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 like that's what I say. Our, our list is we we had Jalen Ramsey at one. We both did that. Then we swapped the Derek Stingley Patrick Sertan situation, and I think we swapped the Marshawn Lattimore. Then I'm not sure if you had Marlon Humphrey in there. I did not. I, I did not. I left Marlon Humphrey off, which was tough because I really like his game. I I put Sauce. So I see that Sauce is lost. Sauce is off of your list. 
Yeah, I'm surprised you had sauce on your list. I, I didn't I didn't know you was a sauce guy. We got to talk about this. You you a sauce gardener guy? I I, I got to show sauce his love, right? I can't get lost in the sauce. I got to show him his love though, right? I feel like the the national media has got lost in the sauce. I'm not that. I'm not head over heels. But in terms of what he did at at you know at Cincinnati, I mean he was an absolute stud, right? Like you know what I mean the length the zone ability, willing tackle. He did everything, right? I think the reason why he was fifth on my list, I know some people, you know, again, we're talking about his prospects. Now, people look at the numbers and say, Keith, DP, like nobody threw at him. Well, there's a reason for that. There's more There's more than one reason for that. He was really good in coverage, so that's the number one reason. Number two, I mean, what receivers was he facing? You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. Like, those guys I listed, Jalen Ramsey tested. You know, Patrick Sertan tested, Derek Stingley tested, Marshawn Lattimore tested. All these guys, you know, playing where they played, they were tested like in, in more than one way. So I like Sauce. I don't like I said, I don't love him. And it was tough because I thought about guys like Denzel Ward, um, Jair Alexander, Marlon Humphrey. I I I was struggling with that, Keith. Like Sauce made it like it was a fourth and one with one second left on the on the clock. That's how that's how close it was. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 that, I, I'm surprised that he made your list. I'm actually surprised that he made your list, DP. Um, I, I'll say two names that didn't make my list, but I was like, I, I was close to it, but I couldn't quite all the way get there. And that was Jeffrey Akuda, and that was JC Horn. Um, I, I remember liking Jeffrey Akuda a lot. I think this was just a matter of rankings, right? Because yeah. if I had a top seven, Jeffrey Akuda would have made it. Um, JC Horn, you know, just like I said, being honest to the process. I, I knew he was a good football player, but he was also a guy that kind of came on the scene late, right? Like, remember, it was like, it was, he really blew up through the, the draft process because I yeah. think even if I remember correctly, right, like it was a Patrick Sertan and then everybody else. And then as the draft got closer and I think J.C. Horn probably tested better, you know what I'm saying? And then that's when he became, you know, I think he was CB drafted, CB1 in, in that draft. So um, that was another name that I almost threw in there, but I'm like, nah, I'm like, I remember I liked him. Because we actually played South Carolina his last year. They came to LSU. We played them. Um, you know, I remember just talking a little trash to him and everything. And I'll tell you this, this is an intense guy, right? Because you're talking trash. And that's normal, right? Like, it's football, right. we're talking trash. And then after the game, he was still like, nah, I ain't with all that, right? Like, he he, he has more of that, I don't say Jalen Ramsey attitude, but he has that, you know, that bravado. And I can see why teams – you know, when they went in there, there was like, you know, the Pan- I, I can see why the Panthers didn't mind drafting him above Patrick Sertan, but we know the talent that is. That's why I have Patrick Sertan ranked number three because the dude is just elite at what he does. Yeah, no, he does that. He does this. I think he was – He, I don't know if he was the first one, but he was kind of the one that really coined it for me, that seatbelt motion. Let, you know, I, I'm – and, and I'm glad you said that, DP, because I was watching, and I hope that announcer maybe he's listening, maybe he's not right, but I'm watching one of the uh, the football games, and so one of the defensive backs did that, and he was like, like he was like, ooh, I don't know what that celebration is. Maybe he's pulling out a sword. And I'm like, oh, man, here we go, man. We, we, gotta, <laughs> we gotta be in tune, right? Like, we have to be in tap. We can't just be doing it, man. So I'm like, oh, Bro. man, he, he's, he's so far off. And I'm Strap, like, I have to get it. Yeah, I'm strapping him up. Like, I put the he's, he's on pull, and he's, and It's I, a downward motion. He's not yeah, whipping... Yeah. Yeah, out of, he, okay, all right. Uh, just all right. forgive him. He he you know, yeah. he didn't know. He didn't know. For, so for what he oh. yeah he does yeah. not know. <laughs> uh, I will tell you as, as a South Carolina native man, Jace like you talk about intense and and the, you brought up Jalen Ramsey. 
you know, shout out, and I, I always try to shout him out, man. Oliver Davis, OD3, one of the best cornerback coaches in the game. He works with J.C. Horn. He's worked with Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Terrell, all of, a lot of the top-tier corners in the league. He's worked with those guys, man, and a lot of high schools and everything else. And I'm pretty sure J.C. has worked with worked with him while Jalen Ramsey was in camp with him as well. So wow. that does make a lot of sense in terms of just their, their attitude and uh, their play style and everything like that. But, man, I'll tell you straight up, Keith, and the guy I left off, but just from a, you know, for me, PS2 was one of the most technically refined dudes that I probably had ever watched. It was him. It was PS2, Patrick Sertain II, Derek Stingley Jr., and then it was Greg Newsom from Northwestern, which shout out Northwestern. He, they, they he's put, another they guy that I left off my list. He's another guy I left off my list that, that was really close to, to, to getting on. He should have been the Arizona Cardinals, but they took another darn linebacker, and then they didn't have a corner for the next four years. But nonetheless, you know that's just just bad drafting. But like he, that's where it was for me. It's like man, I remember watching PS two, and you know he struggled kind of early in his career. But man, once he got himself like really into his game and into his bag, this like people. And the crazy thing about it, I think like you talked about with JC Horn, he, he I think he tested better than than um than Patrick Sertan, so people felt like Patrick Sertan wasn't that fast. But you rarely saw Patrick Sertan get beat over the top. So it's like, if it's not on tape, I'm not going to question it, right? Like, if he's not losing to SEC explosive receivers, like, down the field like that, then why am I going to question it? I don't care what he runs in the 40. Can you stay stride for stride, step for step in a real live game? And soft press, physical press, cover three, cover two, cover four. He could do all of that stuff, man. He was just a complete dude. And then, again, you talk about his, his, what he did in the league. You you wonder if he could run. I watched him run stride for stride with Tyreek Hill down the sideline. Right. You know and what then, I mean? And not even giving up anything. Yeah, no, nah, and, and you talk about, you know, because everybody with corners, right, and they say, hey, man, he, you know, does he have makeup speed? And he was like, well, you know what? If you don't mess up, you don't need to make nothing up, make right? up. Like when, <laughs> when, when you're in school and you have a makeup test, that usually means because you missed the test, right? So don't Damn. miss this guy in press coverage. You know what I'm saying? Like, do what you have to do. So, like, nice. I, I agree with your point with Patrick Sertan, but DP, there's a deeper conversation around these corners, right, man? Because we we're, And we're starting to see more. I would say it's probably more of a trend with these six one, six two, six three guys. Um, you know, long like like you know, have these long limbs and things like that. Um, you know, whether it's your Sauce Gardner who made your list, whether it's Tariq Woolen, whether it's Julius Brents, uh, you know, of recent right that are coming into the the NFL and, and making high impact plays, but they're more zone defenders. So we're going to get into this conversation of of man corners versus zone corners and, and which one would we prefer, which one do we rather. Um, we have this really dope conversation about cornerbacks because I think that we too often they're thrown in a bucket of just corners, right, and do they run fast versus what's their best skill set. So let's get into this man coverage versus zone coverage conversation surrounding these corners. Baseball season is in fullest <clears> – <throat> dang it. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book. Because, guys, listen to me. Right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. I don't think you heard me correctly, so let me repeat myself. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. What do you need to do? Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. 
Now, if you're a Marlins fan, if you are a Orioles fan, a Braves fan, if you're a Mets or a Yankees fan, whatever team you root for or root against, you can bet on those teams or bet against those teams. Whatever you want to do, FanDuel will allow you to do it. So what do you need to do? Simple. Don't miss the chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up because FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. We could. This is, I mean, you know, for those who who listen to us during the draft cycle, this could have been the this or that segment. You know what I mean? Right. Zone or, or man coverage because it's such an interesting, in depth discussion. I can tell you personally, for me, I, I like to play man. Like, you know what I mean? I like to play man. I want guys that can reroute, throw off timing, be physical when necessary, but be in the hip pocket. Where to me, zone, while it it it. Shout out to Stephon Gilmore. I remember he took a jab. Well, I think him and Ramsey were going back and forth a couple years ago when Ramsey was still in Jacksonville and uh, Gilmore got to New England. And Gilmore said, you know, they, they had some discourse going on, discourse going on around coverage. Gilmore said, well, it takes a lot less effort to play zone coverage than it does to play main. And that's a, that's a 100% fact. Like, when you're playing cover three, you typically got one job, deep thirds. When you're playing man-to-man and you're tasked like the direct – Always goes back to that Darrell Revis, Richard Sherman conversation, Keith. And I always lead on Revis, the island, the guy that could travel anywhere and take the island with him, right? And, and it's it's interesting. So for me, it's always going to be man coverage for me and my preference. What say you though? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to lean man, right? I because I, I and this it's really and this is you know you you say it and I always think about it from a defensive coordinator perspective, right? When I play man, there, there are two things that do. I can attack more, right? I can attack more with, with my linebackers and, you know, just more blitzes. And if I want to send a safety or something like that, I can attack more because I have corners that can play man. And then also when you get deep into the season, DP, and they're, they're obviously their tendencies, right? Like their tendencies and, and offenses. And, and this is what happens, right? Because we get these statistics and just talking to our listeners, right? Like this happens on a college level. We get these statistics, um, you know, whether it be from PFF breakdowns or things like that. And you see, hey, in this, you know, third and seven plus, this team likes to run this on defense more. And in and, and first and 10, they like to run this on defense more. So if you're the offensive coordinator, right? And I'm, I have these statistics and it's like, it's a 60% chance they're going to play cover three, right? On third and seven plus. Cool. You know what I'm going to do? Dial up a cover three beater. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's what I'm going to do. And if you don't have the corners to be able to switch that up some, right? Because you don't feel comfortable playing man against wide receivers, then they're going to be able to kind of, you know, dial you up and, and, and just kind of slice you up because they already have your tendency. So that's why even when you get in the NFL season, right, you have some of these surprise teams, they'll kind of come out the gate swinging and everybody didn't see it. And then they'll go ahead and lose six, seven in a row. Right. And that's because they finally have the stuff on film. And then now they have the, the statistics and they, they have the tendencies. And then now it's a matter of, can you go away from that? And I think that's why you have to be versatile and versatility is key because there's going to get to a point to where teams study you and they know exactly what you are. So if you ask me, DP, I definitely rather man, but if, let's talk the zone conversation, right? Cause we both said we like playing man, but zone conversation because there's cover four, there's cover three, there's cover two, you know, there, there, you know, there's, there, there's all type of coverage. You can make some stuff, cover six, um, yep. you do quarter, quarter, half. Like there's a lot of things that you can do. And I'll say this of the, the, the coverages, I, I do think three is, is something that I would have in my back pocket and just those type of zone 
those type of zone defenders because you still have to be athletic. You have to locate the football. Um, they're still pretty good athletes. Usually you take that step down when you go to cover two, right? Because now these guys, they don't have to carry vertical, right? Like they just have to be strong, physical at the point of attack, and they have to show against the run because your safeties are high. You know what I'm saying? They, they're playing on the roof. So I, I think I, I would go with cover three corners, and that's your Julius Brents. That's your Sauce Gardeners. I think even with this draft, DP, like a Devin Witherspoon, Oh, that was the perfect spot for him. And he's not a, a 6'3 guy. But when we watched him, then I talk about it a little bit. And I was like, I don't know. Like the little man-to-man stuff, I don't know if I see it all the way, right? But yeah. he's going to that Seattle Seahawks defense where he can just play cover three, keep his eyes on the, the receiver, backfield, kind of triangulate that thing, and then trigger downhill and make some plays. No, 100%. Yeah, if, I, if I'm going to go to – if I want a, a run of defense, it's, not, it's definitely cover three. And, and I, I want to have – with my corners as well, so yeah, I, I do want to play predominantly man, but we know that the NFL, these these offensive coordinators are some of the smartest people in the world, man. And, and, and what's the one thing that we know that is coming versus man coverage if you run a heavy key? Mesh. Yeah. Mesh concept. Rub routes and crossers. Because that's a natural man beater. Because you're, you're making guys chase across the field at the same time, and the, the levels are separated by maybe a yard. Like, so you're, you got receivers di- designed to run guys into each other, throw them off the path so that that quarterback can dump, dump it down to them. And now that five-yard shallow crosser turns into a 20-yard run-after-catch situation. So you do want to have the ability to come out showman, but drop off into press bail and it's covered three. You want to have corners that are athletically gifted enough, right, as well as the length to do so, right? Because at the end of the day, you got smash concept. You got all different things that the offense is going to run uh, that's going to try and put pressure to attack. If they know that you're in zone, if you're playing cover two, bro, the, the, the arm talent that's in the league right now, oh, that honey hole, that that that, that, that yeah, whole shot, it's, it's there. <laughs> and, and not that one and the, the seam route, right? Like just the one yes. that's going to be able to split the safeties. They're going to be able to tear that up too. So I, I think TDP, when it comes into it, it comes into an athletic ability conversation, right? And mm-hmm. and we you in in, in I, I guess part of this is uh, physics or biology is, is one of those, right? It's just mechanics, yeah. right? Body mechanics. Yeah. Usually, if you're a taller guy, right, and it goes to any sport, if you're in basketball, mm-hmm. right, the quicker guys what are usually shorter. You know what I'm saying? And so even with corners, you're talking about six two, six three, six four. Like Antonio Cromartie is a rarity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Usually these six two, six three, six four corners, they they're longer limbs, and they don't pick them up, put them down as quickly as a guy that's 5'11". Turn so, and transition. Yeah, so turn in a transition. So you want to be able to kind of um, allow them to know exactly what their movements are already, like kind of know their assignments and then now just use their wingspan and their range range to be able to cover the wide receiver, even if they may be good athletes. It's just a matter of still, like if you're talking about covering that Antonio Brown back in the day, right, and you don't know which way this guy is going. When you're playing cover three, you know, okay, I got to cover the thirds, and then if it's any type of comeback route, I have to be in the vicinity to make a play. But if he breaks inside and he gains separation because he's quicker than me, I don't have to be right on his tail hip, um, you know, just to be able to cover. Now, can I give a shout-out to one other corner, DP, somebody yeah. that 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 plays hell of a lot of football, plays a high level, Tredavious White. And not just because he's yeah, an LSU yeah. guy, but just another – he's one of the better corners in the league. And when I, when I was just thinking about playing multiple positions and, you know, cover three versus man and stuff, he's definitely a guy that came to my name as far as and, the and with Sa- The thing with Sauce and, and Tariq, well, for me, Tar- I feel like Tariq is – out of the two, I, I'm, I actually feel Tariq moves better. 
than Sauce does in terms of his lower body movement. Now, so yeah, a lot yeah, of that comes from him playing. He played receiver too for like two years in college, if I remember correctly. He's only played corner for like three consecutive seasons. But when I look at when I looked at Sauce and I watched the tape, and you watched the tape because for TDM, for us at TDM, you had the Jets, so you watched Sauce. He was predominantly in in cover three zone. He would play some man to man, but as as I think it may have been around that that Justin Jefferson matchup where you start to see okay, because I remember saw they asked Salah coming into that game. Are you going to put him in man-to-man versus Justin Jefferson? And he basically said it like in a way like he's not afraid to. And he did that, right? He put him in man-to-man. It 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 was not good. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just gonna be I'm gonna be completely honest. It was not good. He could have been called for at least four holding penalties because yeah. he doesn't re he doesn't have reactive agility from his lower half to when you line up and press against a guy like Justin Jefferson, right? where you got to get your hands on and really disrupt them, and he gives you the speed release, the shuffles, the, the multiple steps, and then break back across your face. Now your hips are one way, your gait's open, but your upper body's this way, so you all discombobulated because he's about to go vertical. So what you do, you grab. And, he, and that was the big thing is, like, with, with Sauce's in-man coverage, he's very, very grabby. Chase Claypool, same thing. He tried to get up on the line, and that's where it's a different animal because Chase is a big-body guy. Chase like, bro... You're not strong enough to be here boxing with me. So that's cool. I'm going to throw you off. And that's what he did. He got he got beat deep, but he started grabbing. So it's it's those type of things. That if he's going to play man, you got to limit the mat. You got to limit the reps to me. And it's all about matchup base. I don't want him on specific guys in man coverage because it just doesn't fit what he's good at. Yeah, I, I would say this too. And in, in getting in, wrapping up this part of the conversation, uh, the, the man versus zone. I, I hate to say it because it sounds like you're knocking one thing or another right but right. I, I think the the overwhelming kind of consensus is is that it's it's easier to play in a zone scheme if you're a cornerback like it's easier on your athletic ability right it doesn't require you as much from an athleticism perspective um to play that and, and then then that brings on and we'll have this fun conversation and come draft time and draft season right how high do you draft zone corners you know what i'm saying because my right. one of my biggest things was hey like because there there appears to be more six two six three corners that are just not that fast but they play well in this cover three scheme so it's like like do i need to value a guy in the top 10 like the new york jets taking sauce gardner when you can get a Tariq willing in round six or julius brents from the indianapolis Colts. you know what i'm saying i think he went in round two and there's a list like even this but then you look at it right the seattle seahawks did the exact opposite thing of what they did the year before because now they've taken uh, Devin Witherspoon in the top 10 to put him in a cover three scheme. So I think uh, regardless, DP, I think it's going to be a fun conversation. But, hey, we talked about, you know, top five corners. We talked about man versus zone. But there's one other position out there, DP, that has – we're talking about exploded in popularity just because people want to consistently talk about it. That's the nickel position, right? Just like the slot wide receiver position has has grown in popularity, the, the nickel cornerback position, the guys that are responsible – but covering those slot wide receivers has grown in popularity. And we just want to talk about the importance of it. Um, you know, what are some of the skill sets we look for and some of the guys that do it best in the NFL. So coming up next, man, we get into that nickel cornerback position. All right, every dayers. Thank y'all for making Locked on NFL Draft your first listen today and every day, Monday through Friday. We appreciate y'all. But this is this is a the importance of the nickel cornerback, Keith. I think there was a stat. I, I don't know. I couldn't find it. So I don't have the the verbatim number. But I believe it was like anywhere from 65 to 70 plus percent of NFL uh, personnel packages. They 
for the game, their base package is nickel. So it's like the nickel corner went from you know how we talked about during the during the draft season the negative connotation against slot receivers like oh he can't play on the outside he just isn't that good no it's just he may be physically limited so he can't play on the outside but he's a really talented receiver like a Josh mm-hmm. Downs and things of that you know those those really explosive slot receivers and those route runners it's the same thing with the nickel corner if if you tell if you if you watch a guy play and it's like okay yeah he's really good but i think he's a nickel People immediately think, well, I don't want him. It's like, but you should, because if you got two good outside corners, you need somebody that can, like a, like with the Devin Witherspoon thing, when we had that dis- discourse, you was like, man, like I love his, his tackling and everything. I do have some concerns with him in man-to-man. And I'm like, and then he goes to, to uh, Seattle. It's like, well, they got Tariq. They got Kobe Bryant. If they want to, they could throw him in the nickel because his run defense, being a force player off the edge, it's going to really help them in that situation. And truthfully, Keith, to play nickel, you kind of got to be willing to get your get get dirty and help in the run game. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely an important position, and 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 it's because this the offense is going to dictate. And, and I just want to, you know, you just putting these simple pieces together, and because I I you know I just try to talk to our listeners right and just how this thing comes together as far as the um the steps right to you know the actual like play being called and how the football game goes right and it's just simply boom during the week it's like okay cool like if if i'm you know i'm at lsu and i'm a defensive coordinator i'm like okay how much do they run you know you know with a slot wide receiver on the field right and it's like okay then they do this 70 percent of the time so then guess what 70 percent of the time my nickel corner is going to be on the field because i need somebody to cover that and then you're talking about in game right in game the offense is going to run their personnel on the field right and then as soon as I see that as a defensive coordinator, I'm going to call my personnel package, right? So I'm going to match what they're doing so that you need a starting nickel because these offenses are playing so much with their, their, their slot wide receiver on the field. So the nickel position is extremely important. And like you said, DP, not only is it important from a, a, a coverage perspective, but it's important from a run perspective also because when there's situations when you know that there's a corner and these are the these are the thoughts that defensive coordinators have to have, right? Because when there's a situation where there's a corner that's good in coverage, like in the slot, but he doesn't want to tackle, you know that the offensive coordinator is going to run the football towards that guy, right? And, and force him to be involved. And you don't want that. So then now you're forced with that that decision. So I if you ask me the importance of the nickel position, I think is extremely important. And I'm all for this. Um, I'm all for pushing, you know, like and I because I talked about this with the Saints, right? Like if you have because they, they have Alante Taylor and they have Paulson Adebo. Paulson Adebo, he didn't play very well last year at all. Alante Taylor did. But if Adebo can get back to how he was his rookie year, you potentially put those two guys on the outside, right, because they're, they're taller, longer athletes, and you put Marshawn Lattimore in the middle. Now I'm taking away your slot. And then you even think, you even talk about these the way that the quarterbacks operate now, right? Like everything is option routes. At LSU, we had something called a Lucy route, right? Well, that was Justin Jefferson. He had a he had a, a option route out of the slot. Now, it, it looks different when I have my fourth-string cornerback. There's no way in hell he's stopping Justin Jefferson, um, you know, any of that. But if I could put my number one corner, we're talking about a Jair Alexander, a Denzel Ward, a Greg Newsom, any one of those guys into the slot because of the, what I have on the outside, now at least I have a fighting chance to be able to do something and, and make a play. No, 100%. And, and, and as well as just the – you think about the combo coverages, like coming out, lined up in man, and all the pre-snap motion, right? Like being a, being a nickel corner, 
you not only have to deal with slot receivers, but then you ha- you're gonna have to deal with Travis Kelsey motioning from mm-hmm. inline to head up to to you, and it's like okay, how do now your your pro- your approach is different from okay, Kadarius Tony was lined up one on one. They shift the formation pre snap. I'm still where I am because we're 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 showing man, but we're in zone, and it's like okay, wait a minute, now we can't we can't play zone. If Travis Kelsey's detached and in the slot, now we got to change, make a quick check call, and go to man to man, so I can get up and try to be in his hip pocket. But then there's a size difference, right? He's what six six, you know what I mean? Same thing with Gronk and George Kittle, Darren Waller. These big body guys are like you want to have. I'm gonna tell you, and, and I'm gonna shout him out because he's one of my guys, Israel Mukwamu, from from the Dallas Cowboys. He was the teammate to J.C. Horn. Those were two of the bigger body uh, corner duels I've ever seen in the SEC during their time at, at, at South Carolina. And, and I, I spent some time really like getting to know uh, Israel and, and he's really cool. Me and him are close. So like he's, he's cool peoples, but I remember him talking about the fact that with these, like with DBs, you start, you talked about starting to see more six, one, six, two guys. Cause a lot of them are looking at the wide receiver lines at these camps and be like, bro, I'm never going to get a rep. Like it's uh-huh. 35 dudes in this line. But then when you watched them and, I, you know, for him, you know, you got the Cowboys as well. Late in the season, I can't remember which game it might have been. I don't know if it was Philly or Washington. They started playing him more. And for a six-foot-four, six-foot-five corner who played some safety for them early on, like he walked up into the slot and held himself very strong against quick, shifty receivers. So you think about if he can carve out that role, then when you do see – a Logan Thomas in the slot from Washington, right? A Dallas Goddard in the slot from Philly. You're very comfortable because you got a guy with the height, weight, speed, and arm length and wingspan that can match up well, not just against receivers, but against these big, essentially, receivers themselves as these tight ends. So the nickel, the nickel corner position is so important, man, because you, you, need, you need it for so many different reasons. You need it against the run. You need it for zone coverage. You need it for man. You need somebody that can come in and be closer to the line of scrimmage and closer to the action. And even if, you, if you're not the best tackle, we're not telling you you got to be Devin Witherspoon. But just don't be horrible at it. Because not only are they going to run the ball at you, they're going to throw quick screens. They're going to throw bubble screens. They're going to do anything yeah, to get you isolated home. to make you tackle. It's, it's going to be a lot, man. And that's why I'm, I'm all for a proponent. We're talking about what I said at the beginning of the show, right? We talk about draft philosophies. One of my draft philosophies, yes, I'm taking a cornerback or two every single draft, man, because that, that it's just so important. And you're talking about you want injury away from having to compromise your entire defense as a defensive coordinator. So, DP, I think this was a rather fun show, man. And, and you know, just how every day is like we're talking summertime, so we don't have as many headlines popping out. But this is cool because we get to have these type of conversations with y'all, right? Let y'all know – you know, just how we approach things and just some of the thought processes that we've had over the, you know, over the past 10 years, you know, some of my experiences, some of the experiences you've had. And and I think this, this allows us to get closer to y'all. So like we said, man, we urge y'all to go to YouTube, comment, holler at us. We know we talk back, man, come to Twitter, tweet at us, let us know how y'all feel. Y'all may agree, y'all may disagree, but I love, we just love the game of football, man. We love what we do doing this. We love talking to you guys. So we definitely appreciate y'all tapping in. Now, 100%. And as always, man, listen. Oh, yeah. Also, in the YouTube comments, drop your top five cornerbacks, too, over the last decade. You know, if you didn't like our list, drop what you got so then we can critique what you say. You know what I mean? So we can keep this thing an even, <laughs> an even street. <laughs> we can keep it an even street, baby. But as always, guys, uh, we thank y'all so much, man. Uh, go subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episode as soon as it's available. 
Uh, you know what I'm saying? You know, thank y'all for making Locked On NFL Draft your first listen today and every single day for being our family and our every single day is come back tomorrow, guys. We're gonna really because we're about to start ramping up, Keith. Like we got you know training camps starting, you know, rookie training camps about to kick off in the next week or two. So we got a lot coming, you know, a lot coming up, man. So we're gonna start getting into all of that. Scouting notebook series is about to come out where we kind of get into some of these prospects we've watched, things of that nature. So you know, pop, pop back in with us tomorrow, guys. But in terms of Twitter, you can find Keith Sanchez and you can follow him there at the talent code me Damian Parson find and follow me at dp underscore nfl uh come and join the conversation again tomorrow on the locked on podcast network you-